Welcome to the Titan Size Podcast. I'm Luke Worsham, joined by the other two hosts of the Titan Size Podcast, Matthias Wadner and Will Lomas. Tomorrow will be a very long day for the three of us because the Titans are playing in Nashville in prime time on Monday Night Football against divisional foe, the Indianapolis Colts, who they have not beaten in 11 attempts. So, I want to go ahead and start with that. the la- the last time that the the Colt or the last time that the Titans beat the Colts, uh, their quarterback was Matt Hasselback, their running back was uh, Chris Johnson. It's been a very long time. Do you think it can get into these guys' heads? Because we saw them last year, like knocking off playoff team after playoff team, but then they go into Indianapolis and just get throttled. So, do you think it gets into their heads that? Oh my goodness! We've lost to these guys eleven times in a row. We got to go out and beat them, and then they just like overthink it and psych themselves out. Uh, I definitely think it's possible. Uh, they'll definitely be thinking about it in some capacity, but I think just being out on that field and not seeing Andrew Luck on the other side of the field uh, kind of uh, lightens that that uh, mental load at least. Um, so I'm not expecting them to go into this game with. Um, too much, um, too much of their uh, other mindsets being on the fact that they haven't beaten this team in in way too way too many years. But uh, uh, I'm expecting a good game from the Titans tomorrow, um, as long as Matt Castle's not our quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if it'll get in their heads like that so much. But if you're down late in the game, I think it might be too easy to kind of say, you know okay, well, now we're just one of 11 teams or one of 12 teams that have lost to the Colts. Not, you know, it's more like apathy at the end of the game. If everything's not going your way, you just feel like, you know, this impending sense of doom. Like, I, I can understand that more than any other way. But, I mean, the old cliche is it's like all the rookies haven't lost to him. You know, Logan Ryan hadn't lost to him. And Dory Jackson mm-hmm. hadn't lost to him. You know, all you have you have such a big part of your team that hasn't lost to him that have come in in free agency in the draft that it should be enough new people that it's not really a big deal. And the roster turnover since Robinson took over to now is already like a huge, like 40 players. So, I mean – those guys have only lost a couple of times at the Colts. So I, I don't think the whole 11 in a row is in their head. But like I said, if everything kind of goes away from you towards the end, I can understand why there may be some apathy in there. You know who's probably ready more than anybody to, to turn the page on that is Jarrell Casey, who has, is, I think, the only person other than Brett Kern and Carl Klug to have played all 11 of those games. Oh, man, I cannot even imagine I can't think what of he's another. going through. Uh, Morgan had Morgan, Morgan would be the other one. Morgan, probably, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um, God, yeah. I guess those those are the three. Well, uh, it's a good opportunity for Casey to really uh, break out because he's had a bit of a slow start to the season. So, yeah. Well, hopefully, he can showcase. Well, I know Go you're ahead. the guy that watches the film and everything. Is the fact that Casey isn't producing statistically? Uh, does that actually show how he's played this year? Because to the eye of the beholder, it seems like he has regressed a lot in the first five games, anyway, of the season. Well, it's it's weird because in the last two or three years, Casey will have like a two sack performance, and then like four games where he doesn't really do anything, but he's constantly in the backfield and penetrating and tracking backside. Now, I mean, I don't. I don't see any of that now. I, I don't know if it's a scheme thing. I don't know if it's because he doesn't have a nose tackle helping him the, the way they should. I don't know what it is, but he just doesn't have the same kind of penetrate, you know, 
rip in and get into the backfield and then make something happen that he has in the past two or three years. Now well, He's only that, 27, which is the year when most players sign big-time free agent contracts. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not like he's past his prime or anything like that. No, I mean, and I don't think it's indicative of where he's going. In ter- and I don't, I don't think he's over the hill. And he usually has good games against the Colts, if I remember correctly. I and mean, I think he got his 10th sack in that season. He got 10 sacks against the Colts. Um, and I think he's always had pretty good success because they've not always had very good offensive lines. And Luck's always held the ball a little too long, so he's had more chances to get back there. But... You know, I expect him to have a good game this week, but, you know, it's not like I, I'm just so sure he's going to break out like I have been in the past. Like, it, I, I can just as easily see him having no sacks as two sacks this week, which is usually not how I feel about this point in the season. That's mm-hmm. weird. I feel like the last time uh, this sort of kind of situation happened was when uh, Chris Johnson got a huge, huge contract, and then he really didn't do – he wasn't as effective as he was – before it, um, it well, there were a couple, uh, couple of reasons for that, but I, I don't, I don't feel the same way about Casey. I, th- I think he's going to get it together. Um, he, he's just supremely talented, and uh, I, th- I think he's going to have a good game tomorrow night and a good rest of the season. Although I still think uh, a scheme change on defense would help him. Let's no talk. More yeah. three, four, Let's talk please. a little bit about Band, the, three, the, four. the pass rush in general. Like aside from Casey. Because this was the one position all offseason, other than quarterback, that the Titans did not bring in a single player. And I guess technically you could count like Eric Walden the day before training camp started. But other than Walden, who by the way I'm currently trying to figure out how many snaps he's played versus guys like Arakpo and Austin Johnson. So hold, hold up on that stat. It'll be here in a second. But in the, me- in the meantime... <laughs> Why has this pass rush been so effect ineffective? Because, you know, we're not used to having, you know, a Denver Broncos of 2015 where it's DeMarcus Ware and Vaughn Miller and they're going to combine for 25 sacks. But, you know, you're used to Arakpo being a constant disruptor. And we, we talked about how Casey hasn't performed very well. Why can't this team get a pass rush? And it's not like they're playing superb offensive lines every single week. Maybe because second round pick Kevin Dodd has done nothing <laughs> and he offers nothing uh, as a backup to Arakpo and Morgan. Uh, Walden's been fine, I think, but I don't I don't know. Eight sack they have eight sacks right now through five games. Uh, that's twenty ninth in the league. That's just not gonna get it mm. done in in any capacity. You can't you can't win Ar- games Arakpo like that. Arakpo only has what, one of those? Yeah, something like that. I don't know. That is, I really didn't see that coming. Um, our pass rush wasn't terrible last year. It kind of tailed off towards the end because Arakpo and Morgan were playing crazy amounts of snaps and rushing so many times per game. Um, but this season has been has been pretty bad, and uh, we've seen it the last two weeks. So they need to get some going. Uh, we've been pretty outspoken about uh, LeBeau not making many changes and uh, him kind of getting exposed a little bit. Uh, that so far this season, so I don't know. It, it, I I think they need a well. Actually, they blitz a pretty good amount. I really don't know how to fix it. Maybe maybe Will knows. Well, okay. So I, I've <laughs> tried to be quiet on this a little bit because if you if you follow me on Twitter, I don't know how much I talk about on the podcast. But one of the most infuriating things that Dick LeBeau does is he brings good pressure 
and he'll get you into third and seven or third and ten or, or a good down in distance, the distance you want to be in if you're a defense. And then he'll rush three and drop Brian Arakpo into coverage over the middle of the field and then give an easy completion over the middle. So while he may blitz on first and second down effectively, on third down he'll blitz three guys and drop everybody else into coverage, including a linebacker who's not very good in coverage, and then also another linebacker who's not very good, good in coverage in Avery Williamson. And you've got these two big holes in the middle of your defense that are just really easy to exploit, and that's exactly what happens. And if those aren't there, people look over to Bryce McCain or whoever the third corner is, and they go that way. If you give any quarterback in the NFL – five seconds to throw a pass and they can't complete a pass, then they're going to get replaced in that game. That That's just the way it is. It, quarterbacks like that don't exist and they don't last long enough. So, you know, if you're going to do that, that's fine, but do that on your own 20, not when you're backed up or on their 20, not when you're backed up to your own goal line, which is what LeBeau does at crucial times, which is why, it gets them killed. Another big issue that the Titans have is they don't have a speed rusher. Brian Arakpo is more power he's and use face. Yeah, he, he's he's more get in your chest or outside rip and dip, and which is which is a good move. It works for him. But if you've got a bigger offensive tackle like that, it's not going to necessarily bother him too much. You know that that wouldn't beat Jack Conklin just in mm-hmm. as a reference point. So, uh, so I have numbers so, on the snap counts for Titans. Okay. Pass rushers, and this mm-hmm. this doesn't include uh like Williamson and Brown and Woodyard. This is only pass rushers. So the top five guys in terms of snaps, number five is Sylvester Williams at one fourteen. Number four is Daquan Jones at one seventy four. So the jump is pretty big there. Number three is Eric Walden at one seventy nine, and then you have <laughs> Arakpo at two with two forty eight and Morgan at one with two sixty eight. Honorable mentions. None of which got to 100 snaps. Austin Johnson has played 95, Carl Klug 82, and David King 49. Man, Klug uh, and David, Johnson need to get more snaps. Mm-hmm. David King does too. Da- David King is deceptively good. Like he forced the interception. Ty Are you Smith being sarcastic? Because I can't. Really no, tell. I'm. I'm no, being a serious, foul- no, no, this is dishonest. <laughs> so uh, the Jay Cutler interception that he threw to Ty Smith. Uh, David King is bull rushing, and he does kind of what Klug does, except he's in a bigger body where he just keeps kind of pushing that pocket, and so Castle throws off his back foot, and it sails on him, and it goes right to Ty Smith, and we get an interception. Uh, he doesn't play a lot of snaps in a game, but when he does, he's got that Klug motor, which is invaluable. You're only going to rush three guys, because if you rush three, you know, I don't like rushing three. We just talked about that, but if you're going to rush three, they have to be guys who are going to be a hundred percent going they're either getting to the quarterback or the play's going to be over because they're not going to stop and just let themselves be blocked up i mean you need to have casey king and klug in there as your guys who you know are rushing that guys who are you know athletic enough but big enough to continue to push a pocket and collapse it and though you know those guys can make a difference if you're going to have somebody like sylvester williams who if you stop him on his first step he just gets stood up and stops then you're not going to get anywhere but like i said you know i think king should play a lot more austin johnson should play in first and second down a lot because he's really doing well on going down the line of scrimmage and playing and filling gaps and making plays in the run but on pass downs i would have david king in there as maybe the first guy to spell Gerald Casey if Gerald Casey wasn't going to be out there. I mean, I don't mm-hmm. know who else I'd put 
By the way, Williams' grade on uh, Pro Football Focus is a 49. Too high. That's about right. That's what I expected. <laughs> yeah. And Dude, if this pass rush would be just any sort of competent, at least in terms of like uh, getting sacks and getting more pressure, this defense would actually be pretty good because the peripheral num- numbers are actually not bad. Uh, we're 7th in pass deflections, and we're 11th in both uh, interceptions and forced fumbles. So we've talked about it. Jackson gets better every week. Logan Ryan has manned Mm -hmm. the slot very well. And I mean, Kevin Byard's a star and Cersei's done pretty well in the absence of Jonathan Cyprian. Yeah, there you go. Just make a couple, a couple more, I mean, better pass rush and better pressure. Uh, and this defense could really help us win some more ball games, uh, like they haven't been so far this season. So I, I, and I've been a, a big Avery Williamson supporter, up until like the last year and a half or so, and it's slowly gone down. You gotta get him out of there. There's just, yeah, there, yes. I mean, I, I don't know that Jayon Brown is necessarily the choice on first and second down, but I mean, it's not. I don't. I mean, hmm, you, you gotta it get him out of there, especially on third down. Okay, well, play Darren let, Bates, play Nate Palmer, but I mean, goodness. Why don't Bates, you just? Yeah. Why don't you just switch where? Uh, Woodyard and Brown would play and let Brown play the weaker side and let Woodyard play the strong. I mean, yeah, Woodyard's doing everything. Sense. Woodyard's doing everything when he's out there anyway. Why not put him on the strong side of the field so he can make more plays and then put Brown on the other side and then do whatever you want, you know, on third down. But, you know, those two guys have to be out there. You know, it's to the point where Avery Williamson, I can't remember a play he's made and, and not necessarily in – just in a positive way, but I mean, even in a negative way, I don't really yeah. remember him. I, I remember him getting beaten once earlier in the season uh, for a touchdown, I believe against, it was either against the Raiders or the Seahawks. I don't know which one, but other than that, like, I just don't see him. Like he, he's just, he's never close to the pass. He's never close to the run. You know, more often than not, when I go back and track him, he gets lost somewhere between the guard and center when they come up to the next level and he just disappears. And for a guy who's supposed to stop the run, that that can't happen. I think I've seen him make one play. I think he tipped up a pass and uh, we intercepted it. I can't remember which game it was. But uh, you, you guys want to get weird on defense. When Cyprian comes back, just play him a linebacker. Is that, is that all that bad a decision? I mean, the size would be the only so. worry I'd have, Say, honestly. Green Bay plays with, uh, I believe they play with six defensive backs and one yeah, true linebacker. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they put uh, a safety in. Now, Packers fans hate it and say it doesn't work. You know, so I'm not sure that's the defense we should be copying. But, you know, it's not <laughs> like it's unheard of around the league. I mean... Jeff Fisher got a ton of credit for putting Mark Barron at safety or at a linebacker and working him. You know, so, there's a lot of guys. Avery Williams is 6'1", 238. Jonathan Cyprian is 6'2", even 223. It's not that big of a size yeah, it's difference. It's not that crazy, yeah. Yeah. Plus, Byard could play the run just fine. You guys want to mix and match with them. Yeah, Byard's probably our best run stuffer other than Woodyard. But Woodyard's going to yeah. be a pro bowler. Yeah, man. He is on fire. Oh, yeah, I mean, he, he and Byard both should be. Now, if they get put out because other names are higher, whatever, but they they are outstanding. You know, they make this defense watchable at times. 
So uh, let's talk a little bit about the quarterback matchup we're going to see tomorrow. Um, A report came out from uh, multiple people, Jason Lockin for Paul Kuharski, saying that Marcus Mariota is going to be a full go tomorrow for the Titans. Uh, Let's just assume that that's true. I think it is, but for the purposes of this, let's just assume it is because I'm tired of talking about Matt Castle. So we're just going to assume that tomorrow night's quarterback <laughs> matchup is Marcus Mariota versus uh, Jacoby um. Brissett. Um, if Mariota's, and I wrote about this a little bit today, even if Mariota's not 100% and, you know, he, he can sprint fully, but he's not going to, you know, carry the ball five or six times like he usually does, I don't care. Sit him back in that pocket mm-hmm. and let him pick apart that terrible defense with his arm that is ten times better than Matt Castle's. I don't care if he can't move. Just let him stay in the <laughs> they pocket. They have the best pass protection and, in the league. Who cares if he can move? Yeah. Just step up in the yeah. pocket. Yeah, it really doesn't matter. And he's got a he's got a fantastic arm, and he can just make any throw from the pocket as is. Uh, and the Colts really, I mean, who are they threatening you with in with pressure? Malik, uh, they only have 11 on sacks on the season. Or just on defense in general? Well, in general, but I mean, (laughs) just the fact that Mariota isn't really going to have to scramble or do much uh, inside the pocket, at least. Their their best uh, pass rusher from last season is going to be on the other sideline tomorrow night, Eric Walden. Yeah, Yeah, that's true. Um, The whole thing, they should do the same. If he can't move, they should do the exact same game plan they tried with Matt Castle. Go five wide, you know, make it one or two reads, (laughs) except Mariota can get through reads three times faster so just let him have a full read and then let him throw it and if it's not you know there's nothing there just let him throw it out of bounds if you're gonna do that with Matt Castle anyway you might as well do it with Mariota who actually knows the offense and knows how to get balls to people I mean if you're not gonna do that then put you know if you feel uncomfortable for whatever reason in a spread then put two tight ends on the line put a fullback in put Rashard Matthews over on the outside or Taewon Taylor and then just run it, run it, run it, and then go for a chunk play. I mean, if that, but you can't trot out Matt Castle and pretend like everything is fine. So, you know, if, if Mariota is even able to put on pads tomorrow, he should be playing. Yeah, what did Matt Castle wasn't even mobile in the last game. The no, only he had time wide he ever field. moved. Go ahead. Mm. He he had he, so there was a play where he rolled to the left and there was thirty yards of green grass and he got so scared to run because he knew he would never make it that he pulled up and threw a duck and I believe it went out of bounds. <laughs> but I mean, it was it was one of after watching Mario. I mean, not even Mariota. After watching Locker, after watching Vince Young, after watching all these quarterbacks we've seen that are mobile over the last you know fifteen years. see them tuck and run and get that first down it was staggering to me to watch somebody give up all that green grass and just throw a duck out of bounds and just i mean even even ryan fitzpatrick and charlie whitehurst were Mm -hmm. were mobile to an extent yeah i mean this this is like watching mettenberger without the arm strength oh man that is his his feet were bricks in the pocket dude but it's like it's not wrong like that seems that seems bad to say, but I mean, I, I don't I don't see where you can argue with that after the cat. Now maybe Miami's defense is just amazing. I mean, they beat the Falcons today. Maybe the defense really is good, and <laughs> Castle is slightly better than we think. I've heard that point. I don't agree with that point, but I, I have heard <laughs> it and understand that it can possibly be true. But I, I'm just saying at this point, I mean, you know, if if he's 
still the same guy who beat the Texans last year somehow, then cool. You can keep him as a backup for the rest of the year. But if that's as good as you're going to get, you've got to find somebody else now. I mean, Castle has a 77 rating from last week on PFF. Oh, that's that's true. He, he is 65, completion, <laughs> 65 completion percentage. I mean, PFF come on, man. is the end-all, be-all for quarterbacks. Yeah, I, that's the that high, is my highest grade in a game than than Mariota's gone this year because <laughs> when you when you see a masterpiece like last week, I mean, <laughs> I mean at a no. certain point, I mean you just you can just tell. I mean, I I shouldn't even had to know those numbers to tell how great he was when you saw it happen live. So, dude, you would just throw the ball out of bounds. I can't I can't do that again. <laughs> So he, he's obviously not Andrew Luck, who's one of the league's elite quarterbacks. But Jacoby Prissett has done a pretty decent job filling in his shoes so far. Uh, the Titans aren't going to need they, – they can't sleep on him tomorrow. They, they can't expect another Jay Cutler performance from Jacoby Brissett. No, he's actually – he's surprised me a little bit. I mean, he showed a little bit uh, in his time with the Patriots last year. Uh, when Brady was suspended, but really not much. They kind of they hit him in a little a little bit, uh, but he's pretty mobile. Uh, he has three rushing touchdowns already this season, and he's got a pretty good arm. Like he he can sling it when he wants to. Uh, he is prone to making some some poor decisions uh, when he throws the ball. Uh, he has th- three three interceptions to his two touchdowns, uh, and I mean he's played fine. He hasn't been like otherworldly or whatever. Um, but he's been pretty decent for their offense, um, and it's definitely not someone to take lightly, uh, especially if they're playing against Jay Cutler last year. Le- not last year, last week, um, and holding him to a whopping 92 yards. <laughs> That's not going to happen again. Yeah. Uh, and the Colts do have some 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 solid pass catchers, so uh, it's definitely not going to be a cakewalk on defense, uh, but I think the defense should be fine uh, tomorrow night. So, um, talking about the pass rushing, coming back to it a little bit, in the four games that Brissett has started, he's been sacked four times, three times, three times, and four times. That, I mean, that's nearly half the Titans' season average, or not season average, season total, you know, in each game. They've got to get back there and disrupt him, or else he's going to feel comfortable like he never has before. I mean, teams have been able to get to Brissett with that offensive line that's full of holes, Jack Newhart just went on injured reserve, so the offensive line should be worse. If they can pressure him, I don't expect him to be great. I mean, he's he's fine. I mean, he's topped 300 yards once, and that was in a comeback effort where, I mean, against San Francisco, not a comeback effort, uh, an effort the against whole the game. team. Yeah, and an effort against the team that really just doesn't have it. So, I mean, 300 yards against them. Okay, it's 300 yards. Against Seattle, he only passed for 157 yards. And that was a team that was in garbage time mode for the last half. I mean, mm-hmm. a- after after the, the third quarter was over, it was such a vast difference in how the game felt. He could have checked down and gotten an extra 200 yards. You know, it, I, I don't know. I, I like him. I think he's a really good backup quarterback. After seeing what other backup quarterback situations look like around the NFL... <laughs> They, they've definitely got yeah. one of the better ones. You know, everybody thought Hundley was going to be great for the Packers, and he wasn't very good today. You know, so there, there's a lot of teams struggling with their backup quarterback. So, you know, I give him credit as a good backup quarterback and a potential starter later down the road. But at the end of the day, he's got two passing touchdowns and three interceptions in or over four games. I mean, that can't beat you. 
he he's got a little bit of that the Sean Kaiser in him uh, because he kind of like holds the ball because I think he likes to go deep uh, more than like you said checking down. Um, so I definitely think we can get to him um, just by just by waiting out in coverage and um, playing pretty good pass defense. So we should be able to to rack up some sacks in this game. Better yeah. said than done, since we only have eight on the season. But <laughs> yeah, let's talk some about the the Colts' weapons. And I don't expect this to be a very long segment because there aren't many of them. Um, you have T.Y. Hilton, who is really really good, but then you have the second best option who is perhaps a tie between Dante Moncrief and Jack Doyle. So first of all, I'll ask, how will this team stop T.Y. Hilton, who they have never stopped? And second of all, (laughs) how will this team stop Jack Doyle, who they have never stopped? Well, we're definitely not going to stop T.Y. Hilton, so we could just... That's a pipe dream. Here's what's going to happen. They're they're going to, you know, Dory Jackson, one of the fastest players in the NFL already. No one's debating that, right? He's super fast. They're going to put him on Dante Moncrief, who's that big possession receiver, and let Bryce McCain try to chase T.Y. Hilton downfield because that really worked out well last year. I actually think um, because T.Y. Hilton lines up a lot in the slot. Yeah, that's going to be the issue with with getting a Dory Jackson on him. Right, but Logan Ryan's been playing a lot of uh, snaps in the slot, and, and he's been pretty good this season. Uh, so I actually don't think T.Y. Hilton's going to go like off-off like he would have last year or the <laughs> off, past couple off. of years. Off-off, <laughs> <off>, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I'm definitely still concerned. I mean, he can, he can hit a long one at any point. The good thing is we really haven't given up that many big plays uh, through the passing game or even through the running game. So As long as we don't um, have that... Uh, Parrish Cox touchdown from last year. The one against oh my God, in no. Indianapolis where he, he could have put his hand out and broken the pass up. Yeah, no, I don't. Let's just not never talk about Parrish Cox ever again. Dude, that, <laughs> Bleed Ray Wilson, all, I mean, we've seen that happen a million times. Um, Why? Bleed Ray Why Wilson, most fondly remembered by Titans fans for getting mossed by Andy Dalton. Oh, oh God! Yeah, yeah that was that? Uh, my living nightmare. That <laughs> yes, it's burned into my mind. I'll never forget that. Mohamed Sanu, I believe, to Andy Dalton. Oh, that was just terrible. Um, so I mean, I'm gonna, I'm going to tell you exactly what Dick LeBeau's going to do. By the way, to stop T.Y. Hilton, he's going to leave a Dwight Jackson on the left boundary. He's going to leave Lashawn Sims or Bryce McCain on the right boundary, and he's going to have Logan Ryan in the slot, and he's just going to hope it works out. That's that's what he does. That's that's his defense. He believe, I mean, he firmly believes now in boundary corners and slot corners, and you don't mix mix up their sides because you've really got to let them. You know, they've really got to be comfortable where they are, and you're not going to get extra safety help. You're going to get exactly as much safety help as the formation dictates. And good luck. That I mean, and, and the issue and, with like keeping Bayard over the top the whole game, because that means that Bayard can't be over the top of Jack Doyle. <laughs> I God, mean, th- he really should. Okay, what he should do is he should come down and play man on Jack Doyle anytime they split him off the line, which they will some. They'll put him in a slot and they'll move him around. And if they don't, then that's fine. You can leave Jayon Brown on him in in the box. But 
you know, if they're going to move him around, they should bring Byard down to have him cover, and you should go one single high, and you should bring pressure. That should be your response is, okay, we're going to let you have this, and you're going to have single coverage with just one high safety, but we're going to bring more than you can block, and you're going to have to get it out quick and on target with your second-string quarterback. I mean, that that's the way you deal with a guy like that, and you just hope your coverage lasts long enough on the back end, or you hope you get a good you know, a big, you know, sack or a fumble or something like, you know, you hope you get something on your end. But what you can't do is you can't say, okay, you've got a weapon in the middle and a weapon on the outside. So what we're going to do is we're going to leave everybody back at deep safety and we're just going to leave our corners exactly where they are. And so you know exactly what we're running and we have no idea what you're running and hopefully we beat you because that doesn't work. And the answer to that is not to drop Brian Arakpo in coverage in the middle of the field. (laughs) So I... Hopefully we see some changes and they adjust to it more than they did to the Hopkins Fuller situation and with when we played the Texans. But if they don't, that that's just what the Titans are gonna do for the rest of the year and everybody's gonna know it after this game. Oh, the Titans haven't really gone like destroyed by tight ends like they have in recent years. Uh, I think Jimmy Graham had a good game against us. Jared Cook made a couple catches. Most but no, of Jimmy Graham's stuff was in garbage time though. Yeah, exactly. And, and by the way, the did you see when we never we never talked about this? Did you see when he tried to hurdle? I don't even remember who he was trying. Yeah, that to was hurdle. amazing. He came like oh, two that was inches off Ryan. the ground. Yeah, that was yeah. pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, we we really haven't been terrible at defending tight ends this season. Um, so I don't think Jack Doyle is going to have that that game that he had last year in Tennessee. What he nine catches, seventy eight yards, and a touchdown. I'm not expecting that to happen again. I really hope not, because that will just be demoralizing, especially <laughs> since he was on our practice squad. Uh, a lot of people don't remember that, but it was real. It happened. We could have used him, but instead he was just used against us. But I think we'll be fine. I don't think we're going to give up like that. Remember, give up a long catch save in Eric Swoop last season. Uh, but don't just thankfully, Andrew Luck isn't behind center, and he won't be able to pick out those mismatches. Yeah, I, I I I'm thrilled to every year get to watch Andrew Luck in person because of how good he is. But I, I think I'm going to be okay not not getting to watch him this year. I'm totally yeah. fine. With- I I saw Peyton Manning in person. I I don't need to see any good quarterback in a Colts uniform ever again. I don't. <laughs> I've had that experience. That's great. I'll just have one guy come to town every year like we did it with Aaron Rodgers. I'm fine with that. Yeah. Okay, so uh, let's move on and talk about now the Titans' offense versus the uh, the Colts' defense. Uh, it, the running game has been awful. The passing game has been awful. The pass protection has been pretty good, uh, if there's some silver lining. Uh, so you're going to have Mariota back if you're the Titans, but you're not going to have Corey Davis back, so you're still stuck with the trio of Taewon ineffective, not touching the ball enough Taylor, Richard wants to retire if he can't stand for the or if he can't oh, sit man. for the anthem. Matthews and Eric uh, better on his TV show than on the football field. Decker, um, <laughs> it's a rough core of receivers. Uh, you do have two pretty good tight ends in Johnny Smith and Pro Bowler Delaney Walker. What does this offense need to do to get on track? Uh, I, I've said I said all off season that they needed to find a scat back, and I'm saying that more than ever now. They need some sort of change of pace. You do not need 
Adrian Peterson or Barry Sanders to have a good running game. You can have a good running game with the duo of DeMarco Murray and Derrick Henry. They showed that last year. But it's become so vanilla, and it's these two power guys. And, yeah, DeMarco's very good catching passes out of the backfield, but there is no change of pace at all. There is no element of speed in this offense still, which was the big problem last year. And I honestly thought last week against the Dolphins was going to be the game because of how bad the offense was where Dory Jackson got to touch the ball on offense. didn't happen. Um, what is, what's wrong with this offense? Why are they so bad? And let's not act like they weren't bad before uh, Marcus went down because they were terrible against Houston, got off to an awful start in that game. And other than the Oakland Raiders game when they scored a touchdown on their opening drive and didn't score again, I remind you, uh, they've been awful in every single first half. Can we just like talk about the wide receiving core? Because this was supposed to be like the strength of the team, uh, and we thought we were going to go into the season with like eight receivers because we just had a luxury of of riches. The, the, the two, like the two, four. you know, the, the Titans. You talk about the luxury of riches. They had the salary cap and they had the, the fifth overall draft pick. They used the salary cap on Logan Ryan, Jonathan Cyprian to help the, the secondary. They used that number five draft pick on Corey Davis, college football's all-time leading receiver, supposed to come in and be a stud. He hasn't played yet. Not his fault. Certainly not calling him a bust like a bunch of people on Facebook and Twitter seem to think he is. But, I mean, they, they don't have the crown jewel of their offseason. I wrote about it this week. Like, he, they mm-hmm. pu- you don't realize like, a lot of people don't realize how huge a resource the fifth overall pick in the draft is. Like a lot of years, you can trade that for an inordinate amount of future picks. And the fact that they were willing to stay in a spot, we Trader John John Robinson stayed in a spot and picked that guy. That means that he thinks he is going to be huge. And he had the opportunity to bring in guys like. Terrell Pryor for not all that much, and, and Alshon Jeffrey on a one-year contract. But he said, nope, I'm, I'm sticking with Corey Davis, and he hadn't been there. And it's not his fault, but, I mean, the crown jewel of the offseason isn't there. And he was supposed to fix the mm-hmm. offense, and you can't fix the offense when you're on the sideline. Also, our best receiver uh, was caught, and he's making big plays for the Bears. I'm joking. <laughs> Rest in no. peace. Don't, don't do that. Time. Oh, <laughs> Trey McBride. No, not Kendall Wright. Not Kendall Wright. Yeah, that's funny. Um, Trey McBride, not, not Kendall. Man, but I don't know. So, uh, something's got to change. Look, what, I, I almost wrote about this today. I feel like the Titans offense after the bye week is going to be the second or third best offense in the NFL. Because they're going to have um, Corey I, Davis. Cause, well, because they're going to have Corey Davis, and they're going to have their starting quarterback back fully healthy. They also They'll have, their have offensive Douglas, too, potentially. Yeah, they might have Harry Douglas, who's deceptively a pretty decent receiver. And then, <laughs> you know, all of a sudden, you finally give Eric Decker a, an extra week to just take off and let his ankle heal, which every time you see him, he's got a wrap on his ankle, which I, I have to think is a bigger yeah. issue because – I mean, that does he look like he's lost weight to you guys? He just looks skinnier than he did when he was a Jet and a Bronco. I don't know, but like I remember watching him this summer just smoking Carolina Panthers. Like that guy, when he's healthy, still has a lot left in the tank. Like I'm not going to write him off. Like he was killing guys who were, you know, just shutting down the Patriots wide receivers. So I'm I'm fine holding out hope for him. You'll get him healthy. You'll get Corey Davis back. Who? I'm not sure if Corey Davis could play this week if it was the last week of the season and we needed to get needed to get a win to get in the playoffs. But 
Malarkey sounded really upbeat about him on the Tuesday or Monday press conference when he brought him up. So I think there's something there. I think he'll play the week before the bye week, and then he'll get a full week of rest, and then he'll be ready to go. I think the bye week will give him a chance to really implement Taewon Taylor, you know, get get hmm. your playmakers in position to make plays. And John O. Smith, he's going to be, you know, he's going to make an impact. But just the wide receivers, I think Rashard Matthews is would be as good of a number two as there is in the NFL. I think Eric Decker and Taewon Taylor should be doing better in the slot. I think the fact that they're trying to use Eric Decker as a chain mover on third downs instead of as you know, almost an extra blocker and running out of that slot where they have the three wide receivers and then run into that side. I think that's a mistake. Um, I think it kind of tips your hand when people know to kind of cover him up extra tight on third downs. But that's that's a Rubisky thing. I, I I have my disagreements with him in general. But I mean, the wide receiving <laughs> core once Corey Davis is healthy should just get better from the top to bottom. It's it's like if Julio Jones was injured in terms of the fact that I think Corey Davis can be a real number one wide receiver. And when everybody has to move up a rung, they all have to go against better talent. They have to do stuff they didn't think they were going to have to do coming into the season, and it just changes the way you build your offense. So I, I'm not ready to push the panic button yet, especially since I think through three games of the season we were the fifth scoring offense in the NFL, fifth or sixth, maybe sixth scoring offense in the NFL when Mariota was healthy and had all his starters out there. So I, I'm not ready to really write this team off offensively yet. I mean, and, and yeah. to to your point, like I think you were trying to say this, Davis doesn't have to come in and be Julio Jones immediately. Right. It's just without him, this offense's best downfield threat is Delaney Walker, who all due respect to him, as good as he is, he's a 33-year-old tight end. Like, you're not going to win games like that if, if that's your offense. Well, yeah, because our best deep threat has gotten two touches the last two games, and they've been running plays. Why is Taiwan Taylor not getting any touches? I don't. What understand. happened to the preseason? We I think we talked about this on on Monday. What happened to the preseason when they were doing everything in their power to get him the ball five or six times? Or the Jaguars yeah, game know. where they threw him the deep route. So Malarkey said something on this. He said there's little things he's not doing right, which is just oh my gosh, it's that's just Malarkey the same in a nutshell. It's well, okay, it's. The way it is is he likes his older players, and I, for whatever reason, I think he's trying to protect uh, uh, Eric Decker. I think there's just I think he knows that Taewon Taylor is going to take his job, and I think after the bye week, you'll see a lot more of him. But there's some weird thing that all these older head coaches do. Jeff Fisher did it. John Fox, they really don't like starting uh, their younger guys over their older guys. It's just not the way that they are supposed to do it. Whatever. Mike Mike Malarkey, love him to death. He could have Calvin Johnson (laughs) throw him the ball twice, line him up in the backfield and give him a handoff for three yards, and then be like, well, I I don't think he's doing enough. I mean, he's not hitting his points running rounds, and he really needs to work on Like, what? (laughs) Yeah, it's and, – and in Rubisky's head, I don't know what he thinks Taewon Taylor is. What Taewon Taylor is is a slightly less 
refined version of Antonio Browns. That jackrabbit you want to get the ball to and let him go and let people let him beat people deep and let him track the ball in the air and high point and catch it. I mean, we all remember the Jets catch in the preseason where he turned around and just jumped and plucked a ball out of air that he had no business catching. And, you know, uh, he's got great hands. He beat A.J. Boyer, who's turned out to be one of the better corners in the NFL, and he beat him on a deep route for 40 yards when they played Jacksonville. You know, it, there's this clear evidence where he is a really good wide receiver waiting to be fed, and Rabisky wants to use him like Dexter McCluster or like Darren Sproles. Or, you know, he thinks he's – and I don't know if it's a size issue. I don't know if he thinks because he's small and shorter that he's got to be used as a gadget guy. But – there's some fundamental difference they have, and I hope during the bye week, I know we're not really talking about the bye week yet, but I hope during the bye week John Robinson comes down and talks to Terry Rubisky and says, look, let me show you what I saw in this guy when I drafted him, and you tell me why he can't do that now and why you're running him like this in your offense. You know who Taiwan could be like? Like Stephen Diggs in Minnesota. But they don't use him in that way at all. They don't. Minnesota doesn't use Stephen Diggs like like a gadget player, even though he's on the smaller side of, of like a number one receiver archetype. Uh, mm-hmm. And they, they don't they don't use him on running plays. They, they don't use him in just specific situations. They, they just put him outside or they line him up in the slot and they let him go to work because he can beat his cornerbacks uh, that he's facing up against just with, with great routes. And we've seen Taiwan shake, shake defenders on routes. I can't remember who it was. I think it might have been. It was either Shaquille Griffin from the Seahawks. I don't know. It was a really nice route. He burned him, and he made the defender lose his shoe. Um, I mean, <laughs> it's probably Jeremy Taiwan. Lane who had that really rough game against the Titans. It could have been Lane. I'm honestly not sure, but just use <laughs> Taiwan Taylor. And also to the people that think that Rashard Matthews is just replaceable because of his uh, personal preferences um, <laughs> and his personal thoughts and whatever, he is not replaceable. No, this team would be nothing without him on yeah. offense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Although it has been weird, he he's had a, a an odd spell of social media issues lately. But oh, it's been weird. Um, Will's Will's conspiracy theory is coming true soon. <laughs> it's happening. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that, if that if that happens, we'll do like a podcast long episode on it. Um, real quick. <laughs> Yeah, it'll just be like as soon as anyway. Uh, <laughs> real quick before we change topics, uh, I looked up Taywan Taylor on Jim Coburn's draft guide. Mm-hmm. Um, friend of the podcast, Jim Coburn. Um, <laughs> he says uh, he has him projected as a long-term starter and potential Pro Bowler. His analysis mm-hmm. is. Taewon Taylor has an excellent profile across the board, above average explosiveness, speed, and elite flexibility traits. In addition to elite market share production, Taylor has a very good shot of uh, becoming a long-term starter and pro-caliber player based on this profile. The only concern is level of competition. I mean, that, I mean, for a third-round pick, that's about as good as you can hope for. Mm-hmm. You know, elite production, elite athleticism, that you know that screams outside receiver. You know one of your top two receivers to me. Now, if Rabisky thinks he should be a gadget guy, that's that's you know the his hill to die on. But all the evidence says he should be out there with Rashad and and two Rashad and two uh, wide receiver sets. You, you know and who they're trying Corey to Davis turn him into? Stuff. They're trying to turn him into Tavon Austin. Oh God. Uh, Oh, well, vomit. <laughs> just peeped That's in my mouth. The worst thing you could have said. Yeah. 
So, oh, so, so as as we near the end, uh, it's Monday Night Football, so I thought we'd end with a little game. It's going to be kind of a boring game, not as good as I thought before I actually did the research for this. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we, we joke all the time about how the Colts like to pick up the Titans' uh, washed-up garbage, and I'm not calling these players washed-up garbage, but, I mean, that's just the joke <laughs> we often make. Um, so I want to see if either one of you can name all of the tit- former Titans that currently are on the Colts' active roster. Wait, say it again? I didn't... Name the, the former Titans who are currently on the Colts' active roster. All right. Okay. Well, Jack Spence. Spence is not Doyle on the active Spence. roster. Oh, he got cut. He's he he did, I think. Yeah, he he's like he's like. I'm cut disqualified. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so it's it Jack Doyle and Al Woods for sure. That's it. Al oh, Woods, um, yeah. Oh, is that's that it? it? Yep. Oh. oh, that's right. Because we have Schwinky back. That's right. Yeah, I, I thought it was going to be a lot more than that because it, it would have well, been it, theoretically it would have been four to start the season because they would have had Schwinky and Wall. Not Wall. Oh, right. Uh, uh, I forgot we have Schwanky, man. I haven't even seen it. Yeah, he's on the sidelines. He he looks super funny. Like he's on the sidelines, like always talking. Like he talked to Taylor the One, I think, uh, when Taylor the One came out the other day, and I remember that I was like, it's weird that he's active, and I forget he's even on the roster. And by the way, Taylor the One practiced in full on Friday. He will undoubtedly play Monday night. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's the only people ruled out are uh, Davis and, and Cyprian. Cyprian, yep. Uh, that'll be it for us. Uh, enjoy the game. It's always fun when the Titans play in prime time. Uh, yeah, ha- have fun and enjoy the game. Uh, let's hope for a Titans win, and let's hope that the Titans become the second team from Tennessee in the last couple of years to end an 11-game losing streak. Uh, Butch Jones, shout out on the podcast. Uh, there you go. <laughs> and, and until next time, uh, we'll meet you back to recap this game later in the week. For Matthias Wadner, Will Lomas, I'm Luke Worsham. This has been the Titan Size Podcast. Thank you for listening. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.